So before we get going today, I just wanted to share a message that I got from a lad called Lachlan. He wasn't a, a passenger of mine, but he uh, he sent me a message to Instagram, and I, it, it's just a, it's a beautiful message, and uh, I really appreciate Lachlan taking the time to uh, to send the message. And it says, "Hey mate, just got done listening to the fourth episode of your podcast, and I've got to say you've absolutely inspired me. I lost my job due to COVID, and as a result, I started doing Uber Eats just to try." to make a bit to pay my bills but now I'm really looking into becoming a full-time Uber driver because there are so many people out there with so many different stories to tell and listening to your podcast has really convinced me so thank you for that and I can't wait for the next episode you know that that's why that, that's why I do Uber and it's not just for the money the money's nice you could always make more but I don't do it for the money, I do it for the flexibility and for the lifestyle. And to Lachlan, mate, I really appreciate you taking the time to send me that note. It means a hell of a lot, it really does. So I'm really grateful for that. So just waiting for Viola to come along. Viola. Thank you so much. Just hand sanitizer in the back there for you. Awesome, thank you. Obviously, it's the hand sanitizer, and just I let you know the microphone, I'm recording my podcast. As we're driving. Yeah. All right. Is that okay? I think so. And what will you be talking about? We don't know yet. Oh, oh so it's our conversation. Yeah. My first two episodes went live yesterday. Right, and how were they received? Crazy. It's ridiculous. But also, it's, I think it gives like, your day a whole other dimension. 100%. Right? 100%. And it just takes, like, sort of each ride, it could, it could take you anywhere. And that, that's the vagary of, the, of the, the job. I mean, I quit corporate six months ago to do this full-time. Really? Yeah. Life's too short. Life is way too short. So even pre-COVID, you were just like, pre-COVID, out, November, low. last year, I was yeah. in corporate, and I did this part-time, and I just, I was, I was like, no, I've got to do it. So I went and got the brand new car, I got the number plate, got the Instagram going, and then picked up the marketing girl from Uber. No way. True story. You put it out there into the universe and it comes back And the universe came back and slapped me on the ass and said, here we go. Right. And I then did some Instagram stuff with them for Uber. Uh Uh-huh. And I've had so many people say that whilst we think you're a boring guy, we actually could listen to you. So I thought, bugger, I'm going to give the podcast a go. And the feedback's been awesome. Congratulations. I'm really happy to hear this. This is very exciting. Yeah. And what, okay, so what what do you do? What do I do? Write books? No way. Yes, way? Oh, can you work okay. in the arts? Should I, should I read one of them? Oh, you should, perhaps. Okay, can we plug it? Can we? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Why not? Um. So the book, well, the book came out a few years ago. I've got another one coming out later this year. It's called Iran Modern, The Empress of Art. And it's about the last empress of Iran, who's still alive. Uh, so she was the first and last crowned empress of Iran and this extraordinary contemporary art collection, which she built up for her country at the time. But then obviously since the Iranian revolution, you know, this $3 billion art collection goes underground and is hidden in the vaults of this museum in Tehran. All a true story. All a true story. I and love it. Iran back then was obviously very different to the Iran that it is today. You know, you had Andy Warhol walking around the streets, you know, 
women were doctors and lawyers and judges and the women were covered up there were arts festivals you know the jet set all clamoring to you know visit Iran you know the Concorde was about to fly from New York to the island of Quiche in the Persian Gulf so you know I mean like it was a very different world you know you've got Elizabeth Taylor walking around the markets very very different place to what it is now and so our book is really this time capsule of an extraordinary time and place and you know everything that this woman did and it really you know sort of begs the question what if you know they had stayed in power and they weren't uh, turfed out and what's the, the next regime? one about uh, the next one um, oh, I don't know if I can share it Okay, can, can you give me a, a, a little snippet of what it might be about? <laughs> um, let's just say we come full circle with the story. Okay. I, I can say that much. And we have a really personal insight into life at the time. So were you born? No, I wasn't. I'm not, I'm not from Iran. Well, so what, what's your passion with this then? Well, my co-author and I, my partner in crime, we both have a fascinating connection to the region. So I was born in Azerbaijan, which is a neighboring country, which is the former Soviet Union. So, okay, if I'm and doing she, a countries of origin yes. of my passengers. How would I list the country? So Azerbaijan. Is it Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan okay. is a country. Um, You're my first Azerbaijan. Azer- Azeri, yes. Oh, yes. is that what it is? Yes, Azeri. it is, yeah. Okay, this is um, awesome. What a great not, morning. You may not get any more today. I Quite confident. So I was born there, and um, so obviously neighbor is Iran. And then my co-author and I'm partner in crime, she also has a connection to the region because her mother grew up in Iran. Actually, so wow. um, we both have this connection to the region and always obviously been fascinated by it. And that's what drew us. What's the most beautiful thing about Iran? I think the people. The people. And what about Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan, I think that it is a crossroads, but it is the crossroads between east and west. It's where you know the, the Caucasus Mountains run through it, and you have this melding of European and Middle Eastern culture and civilization. And it's just an extraordinary geopolitically, it's an extraordinary part of the world. How did you become to be here in Australia? How did I come to be here in Australia? My husband is Australian. And where did you two meet? We met. Because you got that, you got the, there's the accent that you have. The yeah. That's, yeah, my accent's a bit all over the place. Um, so, yes. And how did you two meet? Well, we actually went to school together when we were kids. Really? So, but then we met back in London when we were in our <laughs> 20s, right? Yeah, well, I the guess so, yeah. It's crazy. That's more than you bargained for, huh? For a quick uh, <laughs> pick up and drop off. <laughs> how are you going to digest all that? I, I actually don't know. But <laughs> Try and unpack that the, one. The thing I love about this job yeah. is you just don't know. something new every day. 100%. I, I love what you're doing. It's a brilliant initiative. Thank you. I thank you. And I, I hope at some point you get a chance to listen to it. I will. And I, I will. I'd appreciate it. Yeah. And again, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever you like. I don't know. It's, it's out there apparently. So cool. Yeah. I love it. Because life's too short not to do something you enjoy. YOLO, man. Just generally, YOLO. I agree. What does that mean? You only live once. Oh, Ben, we're going to put that in. Well, I I can't wait to update my countries of origin. So how many have you had so far? Uh, I, I, I only started that about two weeks ago, three weeks okay. ago, because it was just another idea I had about doing something different in the car. Yeah. And every time a passenger gets in from a different country, they then represent. Right. And yeah. Azerbaijan now has a medal. Uh, At least we were represented. Absolutely. And I feel honoured to have been able to do that for us. And that's the thing about it. So that's why I do this. 100% that's why I do it. So the people you meet, 
you know, the things I get to do is, this is my job. I'm like, you know, a bit like you, I, I would think you writing your book, yeah. you know, you sort of pinch yourself sometimes to think how lucky you are. And I certainly do. It's such a privilege, huh? To be able to tell someone else's story. Absolutely. Now we are on the... Just here. On the right. The pink house. Beautiful. Wow, that is pink, isn't it? It is pink. My goodness. Well, Viola, the pleasure was all mine. Such a pleasure to meet you. Have a brilliant day. No doubt about it. Thank you for the detour. And YOLO. YOLO, man. YOLO, YOLO, man. Go with it. Amen to that. (laughs) Have a great day. See you, darling. Bye. Bye. Viola from Azerbaijan I'm not even saying that correctly but she was awesome such good vibes about people and when people like that get in the car and they're like this is great man I'm going to pinch myself and think how lucky I am I really do and I just love this job absolutely love this job we're on our way to pick up Phil. Let's see what this little uh, adventure takes us on. I'll tell you what, some of these streets through this area, you're better off being on a bike than that narrow. But I'm doing the job I love, and I love, I love that I get to do this. Rightio, mate, where are you, Phil? Just sneaking down one of these horribly narrow streets. Just get to here, actually. It's a tough little corner, this one. Oh, there he is. How are you, champion? How are you, Phil? Yeah, real well, you? Awesome, boss. That's the way. Mate, we've got no chance of going forward, have we? Yeah, no, nah, not here, but if, yeah, yeah, reverse back a bit and... Back up the one I just came down? Uh, maybe just uh, this one here, actually. You want to go down the one? Yeah. Okay, audio, boss. Mate, just to let you know, um, there's hand sanitizer in the back there for you. Yeah, beauty. I'll give some on. Give you a little hands a spritz and you'll be right. No worries, mate. Now, what's going on in your world today? Uh, well, I work for Jim Beam. Oh, uh, now, hello. There you go. The spirit's coming. The spirit's now, number one. Now we're on. There you go. What do you, that. what do you do at Jim Beam? Uh, so I'm a brand manager. How long have you been doing that for, buddy? Yeah, about six years now. How'd you get into that? Um... So, I finished uni back in 2013. Yeah. It's been about eight months looking for work. It's pretty hard out of uni these days. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I'll tell you what, the second last job I went for before I went for this job at Beam was for an olive oil company. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, my life would be very different if that popped up. <laughs> and, I can uh, just imagine. Yeah, and I didn't go to the Beam interview. So, yeah, no, so then, uh, yeah, went up for an interview. In October, yeah, travelled up from a country town where I live called Albury. Up, yeah, well, mate, they're doing a bit tough at the moment. Yeah, they are doing a bit tough. Got a few mates down there, um, and yeah, and uh, luckily after eight months, got the gig. So I was back at the end of 2014, and here we are now in 2020. So almost six years. You, you like it? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go past, right? I mean, it's alcohol, so you get to go to a lot of events. <laughs> What's the best event you've been to? Jeez, oh, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I've had some cool. Pr- Cool uh, corporate box experiences. At, give, it, uh, give us a couple of those. AFL Grand Final. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, that was pretty good going out for. Although uh, I go for Collingwood and uh, watching them lose to West Coast in the last few seconds of that match was uh, that's a tough gig. Yeah, look, it made the it made the box not as fun, but uh, <laughs> end of the day, gotta gotta take the wins. Absolutely. So that's the AFL. What else? Yeah. Um, you get some pretty cool celebrities at those events, right? I'm, I'm talking B and C class celebrities, but you know, you're Sophie, <laughs> you're Sophie Monks, 
And I tell you what, it, it, ex Big Brother contestants. Yeah, well, Sophie's going to be slightly horrified if she thinks she's a B and C class. <laughs> Because, mate, if this makes the podcast, yep. I'm going to let Sophie, if this does make the podcast, I think you're A-class. Yeah, there you go. I think you're <laughs> just, A-class. Just, uh, and we're happy to have you on the show. Let's <laughs> say that to her. <laughs> I love it, mate. I love yeah, it. Yeah, so, um, nah, look, there's, there's been some good little memories made along the way, and I know you get those weeknights out, which are always a bit of fun. But it's the next day, though, mate. Yeah, well, that is the... Now here's here's the question. Yeah. I've worked in organisations where the product that you're working for is not something you're overly impressed with. Yep. Now, do you drink bean? Absolutely. Oh, good yeah. man. Mate, there's a, there's a promotion there for you, mate. <laughs> you go. You're going places. Nah, I love it. I mean, I don't know how much you want to talk about bean, but it's it's been around since 1795, mate. They've really crafted the recipe well over the last 225 years. So. Mate, you, you've nailed that little speech. <laughs> you've, you've absolutely nailed that piece. But I love it. So they've done a good job getting it to where it is now, and I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's enjoyed by more Australians than any other spirits. So like, mate, I've got a mate of mine. Right. I've got a mate of mine, and yeah. this will make the podcast just for this reason alone. Yeah. When we go out, he orders six of them at a time. Six gym bags at a time. Yep. yep. And if he finishes them, it, it's always very surprising because he orders. It's at the point of the night where you don't need six beams. Yep. But he always orders six. <laughs> always orders six, and he gets a bit grumpy. Yep. Better to have it the earlier part of the night. Yeah, but he gets a bit grumpy yep. if you don't drink one. So yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do. Oh, with yeah, him. sorry. Yeah, no. You're right, mate. So um, where's your office here? Uh, so just next to the Coca-Cola building. Good man. Appreciate that. So Din Tai Fung in here. Yep. Phenomenal. Yeah. Had it once before. Thought it was the greatest thing of all time. Oh, mate. Yeah. It, uh, every time I go past this little section, I'm like, I've got to go back in there. My yep. daughter loves the, the Zhao Long Bao, the soup dumplings. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. It's so good. I mean, oh. like I said, I come from Aubrey, so I've just got a standard Chinese restaurant. We're pretty happy down there. So <laughs> to come up here and get a Din Tai Fung, I was like, this is amazing. What's the best dish you've eaten at the Chinese restaurant back home, though? What's oh, the one, the mate, signature dish? Mate, Mongolian lamb, for sure. <laughs> Mongolian lamb. And with a beam on the side? <laughs> yes, the only way to have it, mate. Now, where do you want me to go? Left up yeah, here? Yes, so I'll go up this little street here. Yeah, we're good, mate. We'll sneak in. First right. Sounds good, boss. Uh, yeah, mate. Mongolia, how you going past the Chinese? It's like great with their food, but uh, I'm sure that one's stolen from Mongolia, obviously. <laughs> stolen, <laughs> stolen from Mongolia. Uh, right here, yeah, or keep right going? Here. Radio boss, mate, that's Beautiful. been good. I've loved it. Yeah, thanks, mate. Cheers for the chat. No, was the Uber then? That's it, mate. Get, that's it. get on and have a look. Yeah. Have a look. At, have a listen to the podcast. Yeah, you, we'll you'll make one of the episodes soon, mate. Ah, beautiful. Absolutely. I was just getting to this driveway here. Yeah, mate. That's fine. Actually, we're not going too far with this truck anyway, mate. So, you're right to jump there, Phil? You're right, bud. Thank you so much. See you, champion. Have a great day. Have a good one. (laughs) You too, mate. See you around. Love the story. Yeah, cheers, bud. See you, mate. Well, here's the cracker. He was good. I like Phil. He was an ocker Aussie bloke. Works at Beam. You can just tell in his voice. Just tell in his voice how, how cool he was. All the way from Albury slash Wodonga, right on the border there of New South Wales and Victoria. And his favourite meal back home at the Chinese restaurant, Mongolian beef. Apparently apparently it was stolen from Mongolia. He, man, he's a cracker, lad. I like that, lad. All the best to you, Phil. You'll certainly make the cut, mate. Congratulations. On our way to pick up Geroid. Geroid. 
I'm not sure. We'll have to work that out. There's Geroid up the top there. You can spot him a mile. I love that. I love the fact that I can peg these people. There he is. Thumbs up. I'll just get across to the side here so we don't get him in trouble. Hey, how are you? Hey, not too bad. Is it Geroid? Yep. There we go. How are you going? All right, mate. Yourself? Grand. I've just done the uh, phone. No dramas, mate. Yeah. Okay. Give us a ring. Okay, man. Cheers. So how much was the number plate? <laughs> not much at all, mate. No? No, not much at all. Oh. How are you going? Yeah, good. Whereabouts are you from? Ireland. I figured so. Yeah. There was a slight lilt there. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you do? Um, I have an organisation, two organisations. We help athletes transition from being a sports person to real world. Yeah. Wow. I probably know more prevalent now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the Olympics been cancelled and stuff. Like. Yeah, incredible. Uh, in every field um, of athlete, yeah. of athlete. Yeah, anyone who's like had a dream to to be something <laughs> in their sport, doesn't matter what level they get to, if they if they get a year or two into it and get injured, doesn't matter. Everyone has the same. Of course, you know, similar stuff going on with the loss of the sport, and the big thing really is that. <clears throat> Especially for athletes who are doing it a long time, it's the identity loss. Um, they feel that, like, you know, who are they without their sport, you know? And it's, that's the big thing we need to, to, I guess, help them with. How did you get into that? Because that's quite a unique thing. Yeah, I used to be an athlete myself, so I used to be a rower. Okay. I went to three Olympics in rowing. No, you. Yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. Now we're talking, Gerard. <laughs> Obviously representing... Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Medals. No, no, uh, no Olympic medals, but I've got like five World Championship medals. Of course you have. <laughs> now we're talking. Okay, so yeah. you, did you find that when you finished uh, your uh, rowing that you had that issue of transitioning into the real world? Yeah, and I, I actually, um, I actually was very well prepared, so I knew that I knew that it was could be tricky. Um, so I got myself a degree. I got like loads of outside interests. I really wanted to finish. I finished at the right time. Finished. I finished at the Olympics, so like it was the best place to finish. Which which was the, which were your last Olympics? Um, Beijing. It's yeah. <laughs> awesome. And uh, and so I, I was really looking forward to retiring, to be honest. Okay, yeah, right. Um, but I really hadn't figured out fully what I wanted to do, like where where I was going to make an make an impact, you know, a good impact on people around me. Um, I hadn't figured that out yet, um, and so it took a while. And actually, through the figuring it out, I kind of went, "Oh, hang on! It's almost like I listened to the issue that I was having, and how, and, and how would I help this situation?" And that's how I started my company. Really. Oh, mate! Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Rightio, let's get into it a little bit here. <laughs> Your greatest victory. Okay. So, obviously, like I won the world championship. So, like on paper, that's kind of my biggest victory, right? So that was like a. Not just an accomplishment from in terms of like the winning the medal, but just in terms of becoming a world champion was something I dreamt about since I was a kid. So like, for, so winning that, like making sure. I mean, it's it's a, there's a lot goes into making it all happen on the day, right? So you can turn up physically ready, mentally ready, but you gotta have you gotta have everything going right for you on the day as well. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess getting that over the line was was very important. It was almost like a relief. But I think one of the, in terms of sport, I used to come over here training a lot when I was. Um, rowing I'd come over here for the winter months in Ireland which was summer here 
and the Aussies would always be going super fast you know like and we'd always be in our winter training mode which is like you know <laughs> cups of tea and biscuits after training and <laughs> duffel coats and long long distance rather than speed so I used to come over here get my ass kicked for two months and then do the national championships and one year I did the national championships and won it um, ha here in Australia having had my ass kicked solidly for three months and I managed to come into form just at the right time and kick the ass back <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like in terms of satisfaction that was a standout for sure uh, okay greatest loss or, or toughest loss uh, Athens Olympics where did you finish well so we we were we'd come third the year before at the Worlds got a bronze so we're ranked number three in the world going into it and um, really like there's probably about ten crews in that event that could have won medals so very tight and so in our semi-final we came fourth by like a millimetre and we had to come third so we got dipped out of the final okay that was hard to take I can imagine after all that training yeah. uh, toughest competitors mm. um, quite a few right so Italians were always super tough what about the Italians was just that little bit different mm, it's interesting you ask that <laughs> uh, there's quite a few theories running around I mean it was like the the 90s okay so, <laughs> so strength, strength was important strength was important um Having lots of red blood cells is important. <laughs> nice. Okay. 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 I can't. You know, we don't have any definite proof, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, actually, you know who were very tough were the Aussies. Yep. Um, the Aussie teams that we used to race against generally were based from down in Tasmania. A lot of them. They used to train out of there, and they were super tough. Did you ever race against the awesome foursome? Well, um, we'd race against them, like in you know, kind of domestic-y kind of regattas, but not not overseas. But they were around like the same the same era, you know. Um, could have you gone one more Olympics? Yeah. Why didn't I could you? Have gone, I could have gone two more Olympics. I was I was thirty one when I retired. Um, I didn't because I was just I was burned out. I just was over it. And it was sort of like I knew. Someone told me when I was twenty one, like I said, like you know, how do you like how do you know where to stop? And they were like, you know, when you just don't feel like going training for like two or three months when you have to drag yourself out of bed to go training when there's no joy in it and I was definitely feeling that so I knew the writing was on the wall um, if I'd been managed if I'd managed myself or been managed a bit differently I probably would have they could have said look take a year or two out, out of the boat and come back get your head right and come back yeah but yeah. sport doesn't really accommodate that you know because they cut your funding they cut everything and you very quickly slip out of the the, the fold and for me, like, I just wanted to party when I finished. So, like, I did, like, two years of hardcore partying and just, like, you know, by then I was so, so nothing like an athlete that I couldn't go back anyway. Is the Olympics everyone, everything everyone says it is? Like, well, when you're at the Olympics, yeah, is the atmosphere everything that, you know... I don't think so. so like, really? Yeah, people, like, so the Olympics is kind of set up as something that's, like, this great thing for humanity and everyone together and the celebration of like people and nah it's like the Olympics is all about doing the best you can for yourself and concentrating on your competition of course when it's finished yeah then people go wild but up till then it's the most unfriendly place okay. you can possibly be who's your inspiration in sport as an athlete Olympic athlete yeah who did you look for who was a mentor to you and one I, I used to I looked away from my sport like one person that actually really uh, impacted me was Greg Luganus the diver American diver yeah four time Olympic gold medalist would have been 
six time only the boycott happened in, from Moscow in 1980. Like the first guy to get perfect tens, like in Olympic competition, um, had so much other stuff going on in his life, like oh, yeah. personal stuff that yeah. we know a, a lesser man would have probably just folded yep. and let it get to him. He just was like a genius on the board, but like an absolute gentleman off it. Um, and I've actually got to know him really well since, and he's been an amb- a, a, a great ambassador for our charity. Um, What's so your charity? Let's plug that. It's called Crossing the Line. So the website's crossingthelinesport.com. I will get that involved in the podcast. Yeah, hundred percent, Geroid. It's uh, I love I love this job. You just <laughs> you've just validated why I love this job so much. So well, you've made this job work for you, which is great. You know. Oh, yeah, I have, and it's, you know, it hasn't taken much. I've got a great mate of mine who's uh, helping me with everything. Yeah. Uh, but this is the this is the reason why I do it, just to meet yeah. people like you. And who's to know you're an Olympic athlete? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what the vagary of this is what it's all about. Yeah. So, um, okay, so he's your your mentor. Who's the sports person you never got to see and wish you had of? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Jesse Owens. Oh great, good sprinter. Yeah, good sprinter. Everything, true. And I, I guess not just seeing him, but seeing where he competed. Yeah. And how he did it, like. Because like, it was tough back then, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he, Berlin and Hitler was like, you know. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right there. And he was right there watching. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, Geroid, that's been an awesome pleasure, mate. That's yeah, no awesome worries, pleasure. man. Basically, with the podcast, so I'm going to follow you on Instagram. I don't have that many. I'm not that big on Instagram, so I don't have that many followers on Instagram. Facebook is where I have a lot more people. But um, mate, please, uh, please plug it, and I'll make sure we plug your charity as well. Um, but you can also find me on AussieUber.com. It's on the web, and okay. Spotify, the whole nine yards, mate. But uh, awesome. Good luck with the business. Um, I uh, give you, you a plug, and uh, I give you a plug in our thing. I'll thank you, say mate. How interesting it was. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate that. Have no a great worries. day. You too, bud. See you, matey. Yeah. Well, that is a standout highlight. Geroid from Ireland represented his country at three Olympics, won five world championships. I mean, get stuffed. He was a cracking lad, that one. Uh, wow. I mean, I just, I have no words. You know, he, as an Olympian, he's come out of the sport and he's made something. We're definitely going to plug that charity because I think that's a really important thing for for athletes to have is that ability to transition from sport to to corporate, whatever it might be, or just in real life, not even corporate, just real life. And uh, Geroid's uh, helping him with that. What a, wow, what an absolute... Fucking great interview, um, and it was a bit of an interview, wasn't it? I, love, I can't. I actually can't wipe the smile off my face. It was that good, but that's a cracking, cracking interview. And in closing, on this episode, I just wanted to say to everybody: those that are considering a career change, or those that are about to actually make that career change, good luck to you. It is a leap of faith sometimes, and sometimes it can be a blind leap of faith. But let me tell you, the, the, the leap that I made affords me this opportunity, and I love it. So again, for all those people that are considering that career change, don't second-guess yourself. Give yourself that shot, because it'll absolutely be worth it. And the worst that can ever happen, the worst that can ever happen, is that you go back to doing what you were doing. And I wish everybody 
all the success in the world.